Hello and welcome to the InstaFame podcast. My name is Ella May and I'll be your host. I am an Instagram strategist, success coach, and the creator of the InstaFame formula. I am obsessed with helping aspiring entrepreneurs and established brands learn exactly what to do to grow their Instagram account and turn it into a money-making machine. I absolutely love helping you up-level your life, your business, your marketing, and helping you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that you want using Instagram. It is my duty and obsession to give the tools, the resources, strategies, and teachings to help you get the success and lifestyle you're looking for. In this podcast, you're going to hear lots about Instagram and how to use it to its full potential, business building strategies, and how to create a life you absolutely love. Consider this podcast your daily dose of success strategies to maximize your impact, your influence, and your development. I'm going to make sure you not only know how to get the most out of Instagram, but also that you're making an income from it. Because let's face it, if you're putting time, money, and effort into something, you should be getting a rate of return on it. If you're ready to get your ass kicked to the next level when it comes to killing it in your business and on Instagram, you've come to the right place. Want to make sure you don't miss anything? Be sure to hit the subscribe button. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Welcome back to the InstaFame podcast. I appreciate you being here. I know you could be doing a lot of things. So thank you for spending your time with me. This episode is really near and dear to my heart. It features Ryan Pena. So Ryan is an innovator and strategist with over 10 years of experience in the marketing and social media field. He's well known for implementing highly innovative solutions into rapidly changing environments. Currently, Ryan works at Be The Match to elevate their social strategy be the match with an organization that helps change, change the life of patients battling blood cancers or other blood diseases. The reason why I really want to have Ryan on the show is, A, because of his experience, he could be doing anything. He could have his own business work for anyone. But I love that he's using his talents to help save lives. And uh, this is especially near and dear to me because my dad died of cancer. So I just love what he's doing. As a global speaker, he loves to share his learnings along the way while meeting and learning from others. And actually, a little fun fact, most recently, Ryan spoke in Egypt at the World Youth Forum alongside the president. So not many people can say that. So whenever he breaks away from the internet, you can expect to see him with his two girls and wife at a coffee shop or riding around on his bike. Also, one thing that we cover in here that's really, really key is he covers exactly how to find which platforms your audience is hanging out on, so where to focus, how to find your brand identity via social, how he capitalizes on what's coming up in the social media industry. This guy really has a just dynamite mind for marketing, and he's he has great foresight. So I love, we go into what's coming up with social and that's a really, really good portion. Also, I really want you to check the show notes because there is a link in there. This link is for be the match. And if you want to join Ryan on his life-saving mission, life, excuse me, life-saving mission, what you can do, click on the link, you'll get a swab kit emailed to or sorry, swab kit mailed to you. You basically swab your cheek mail it back. And if there's a life you can save one day, they're going to ping you and then you just saved a life. So make sure to check the show notes for that link. 
without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the incredible Ryan Pena. All right. Welcome back to the InstaFame podcast. I am, guys, I'm so excited to be here with Ryan Pena. Did I say it right? Pena? You did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So Ryan is a seasoned innovator, digital strategist, a social media strategist. He's got over 10 years of experience in the field. And he's currently working for Be The Match, which is an online registry tool for those diagnosed with blood cancer and other blood diseases. So this company that he's working with helps patients find and connect with marrow donors and learn about the latest treatment options. So Brian, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Ella, you did your homework. That was very good. Uh, and I'm so happy to be here. This is exciting. Amazing. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm trying to keep it short-ish, uh, but um, yeah. So I, like you said, I've been in the in the social media space um, as a profession, as a career for the past ten years. Um, it, it definitely wasn't back then. It wasn't a um, a thought where it's like, you know, oh, I want to be in social media marketing. It still was kind of a nuanced or new thing that that people were trying to figure out back then. Um, so it sort of it sort of became it developed from curiosity. So I was working mm. in sales. And I didn't know where, where my career path was going. I, I didn't really have, just I didn't really have any, like, like passions that that I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, but all the while, I liked, you know, working in in roles that I could communicate and meet people and network and and make things happen with direct connections. And uh, I was in a cold sales job, so I it wasn't the best fit for me personally, where I was just bugging people and calling them, leaving voicemails, emails. It just wasn't really. Um, rewarding uh, because mm. nobody wanted to talk to me and I don't blame them. So still <laughs> nobody wants to talk to me. But anyway, um, so I started to use, this was in 2008, I started to use LinkedIn uh, as a tool uh, just for social selling, essentially, where I can make connections with the people I was trying to reach on the phone or email, but, uh, you know, give them a face to a name uh, and then also provide them value, which, you know, is something that we as uh, experts in the field try to do to this day. Uh, and so, it worked and everyone around me was like, how are you doing that? You know, can you train us? And they're like, Oh, you know, we talked to this guy, he knows what he's doing in social. And it just, it was just, it just piqued my curiosity. I was always curious about how to leverage this as a tool. Uh, mm. And so did that for a couple of years. In addition to my traditional job, I was always using it as a tool. And then I went into, uh, in 2010, I went to an online university uh, for adult students that were going back to school to achieve higher degrees. And again, we were focused on getting people to, you know, helping them through their application through phone and email and following up with them and getting them to sign up for classes, phone and email, phone and email. And as time went on, you know, they were finding it less effective to communicate. So luck was kind of happening at that time. I was again in a sales role, helping people get enrolled and signed up for our school. But leadership had asked me, how, um, how, you know, how, how do you, like, it's been a couple months, you know, what do you think about this job? Um, what ideas do you have? I said, well, you're an online school, but we're really not online in terms of how we're communicating. And, and I referenced what I did in this last job and how I would love to explore ways to use social media to um, humanize our, our, our team and, and who we are and what we do. And they're like, well, this is great because we're launching a pilot to explore new ways to communicate. So that's where luck sort of came in jumped on the pilot, I ended up leading the pilot. And then a year later, I created the first social media job at that company, which was mine, uh, because we showed how it could work. And, and then we started to build a team. So I was there for five years, 
doing a lot of innovative work on um, using social in unique ways to humanize and bring to life uh, what wasn't a traditional college campus that you would never see the people that you were working with typically. It was fully online. And so we actually gave people a sense of community, not just with the staff, but also with the fellow students. Um, then I went to software, wanted to try something completely different. And I did B2B social media marketing uh, in the software space. It was custom software, so nothing sexy about that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, did a lot of social selling on LinkedIn there. And then uh, recently, to your point earlier, I started um, a couple years ago, a little over two years ago, working at Be The Match nonprofit. And now I get to uh, manage a team, oversee a team of social media experts, amazing people, and we work every day to leverage social media to save more lives. So we get more people to sign up online, get a swab kit in the mail, swab their cheeks, and then one day they may be called to be some perfect stranger's life-saving match, and uh, they get to do a pretty awesome thing for someone in need. So that's, that brings us to today, and this is the highlight of my life right now is talking to you, so I just can't get any better than this. That is so cool. <laughs> what a journey. So this is really interesting because one thing that really stood out to me in your story there is how when you were working with the college, how you were really able to see where this whole social media space was going even before it was what it is now. Like it wasn't this big thing then. Everyone didn't know about it. It was more like people were making fun of the people who are on Facebook all day. Totally. Right, right. Why do they have to document their lives? Like we don't care about what they did today. (laughs) Um, It's true. So, I mean, I'm super curious. Do you, for the future, for what's coming up, do you see any trends that are emerging that you think will be big shifters in the industry? Uh, From a social media perspective? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So no surprise, I'm going to say the the double T word, TikTok, uh, is is definitely um, one of those. And, you know, yeah, when we think about that platform, of course, let's get past the kids are on it. It's crazy. I don't get it. It's, it's, you know, it's all over the place. But the reason why that platform is something I'm paying so such close attention to is because of really how the platform works. I mean, the algorithm is very different ads are very different. Mm. Um, obviously, the experience is an evolution of things that we've, we've definitely enjoyed in the past, like vines, looping videos, things that we're still seeing in some platforms, but they're doing it in a different way, adding that music piece to it, uh, video memes, all of this, and the way the platform works is going to cause an evolution, a continued evolution on some of our more traditional platforms like Instagram and Facebook and, and et cetera. So, so it is going to be um, you know, whether it's people jumping on TikTok as a platform and thinking about it from a brand perspective, whether it's your personal or professional brand, um, you know, I'm not really focused on, you know, if people should be doing that or not, but I would encourage anyone that's in the digital marketing space, anyone that's in the social media space, um, you know, from an entrepreneur standpoint, uh, to look at that platform and, and, you know, at the very least, just just, uh, you know, be a ghost on there, you know, see how the platform works, mm. you know, and you're going to be watching, you see a lot of younger people on there, but, you know, it, you see how the platform works because what happened with Snapchat and Instagram several years ago with stories being acquired by Instagram, basically stolen from Snapchat, it's going to be the same kind of thing that's going to happen with TikTok. There's going to be elements of that platform and how it functions and the level of creativity from that platform 
that's going to get um, absorbed on some of these bigger platforms uh, that we're using every single day. So, so if you don't study it now, you're going to have to figure it out eventually. And uh, that's definitely one to watch. Totally. It's I, <laughs> I, every time I go on TikTok or I recommend it, I'm like, I recommend it to someone. And they're like, what's this? I'm like, oh, go on. But I'm like, heads up and heads up to anyone listening. If you haven't been on TikTok before and you go on it, you will go into the TikTok vortex. You're going to remember what it's like to be <laughs> yeah. in high school, first of all, yeah. it's yeah. a younger user race. And you're going to look up and be like, how did I spend two hours on this app? Exactly. Yeah. But exactly. that's what's so cool about it is I'm like, whoa, there's they can really keep people engaged on there. And now that I like, I am a really big fan of TikTok. My page is like not professional at all. I have just random lifestyle videos on there. And I think right. I have like 15 of them. But just to be able to see what people are posting, and there's a lot of really, really cool, like crazy smart 20-year-olds accounts who are showing people different ways to look into the Facebook right. ads of the different pages and how you can use digital marketing tools and how you can use graphic design tools. And it's yeah. just so cool to see where you're like, whoa, like it's as much as it does have a younger user base, but it's really moving into that space of like, it's not just for kids. Oh, right. No, absolutely. And I mean, the second largest and fastest growing, uh, uh, you know, demographic population on, on the platform is uh, our millennials. Uh, but obviously, the, the largest population is to your point, Gen Z. And, and you know, I'm, I'm definitely one that, that doesn't shy away from, and I get that this is not for everybody, but I don't shy away from also creating on the platform like you are too, um, because I also find that as part of sort of like a test. And so mm. I typically have I you know I definitely embrace the inner weirdness of myself and the goofiness of myself and and that has caught that has grabbed the attention of the algorithm and the people that are on it and so I've had in the one and a half years that I've been on the platform I've maybe shared about same as you 15 20 videos two videos two videos have gone viral from my TikToks two TikToks have gone viral one has two hundred a quarter of a million views, and the other one Whoa. just recent has one hundred forty thousand views. And in my ten years, I have never had a piece of content that's done that, you know, video or anything like that, you know. And it's like maybe I'm not, maybe maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't be in this business. But you know, I, but like that's <laughs> just how unique that platform is. It's like you don't have to. The algorithm figures out like what kind of things in that content are going to be something that we want to serve to people. Like it's just, it's so crazy how it figures it out. Uh, and I, I'm just fascinated by it. And then, you know, the video right after that, I have like a hundred views, you know, it's, it's yeah. very all over the place. No, same. Like I had one of my videos has like 34,000 views or something like that. And right, others have right. like 150. Um, yeah. But one thing, okay. So I'm always a little, a little skeptical when someone tells me they're an algorithm expert or whatever, because mm. we, we only can know so much without being an insider at the company. But one of the things I've heard about the TikTok algorithm and how it differs from Instagram specifically is that with TikTok, the thing that will boost your video the most is rewatches. When people watch your video over again, and I'm like, oh, that's so smart because a bot can't, mm -hmm. like a bot can like and comment or a social media manager, but a bot can't rewatch usually, right? With yep. Instagram right now, it's really saves and shares that seem to be being prioritized. And again, you know, as TikTok will, Instagram goes through phases with what seems mm -hmm. to be getting the most traction, um, which is actually what I want to segue into with you because 
sure. you're a, you're a total social expert. You can work in any industry you want and you're doing this amazing thing where you're saving lives. And you, I mean, the growth that you, that, that company has experienced since having you on board has been enormous. So what are the ways that you use social media in order to really reach people and help them understand like really reach them to the point where they're willing to give their blood. <laughs> like that's a lot, right? Um, no, right. Exactly. Kind of humanizing uh, it. So I'm curious to hear your take on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you just said right there is, is, you know, is that secret sauce it's about, about how we humanize it. And so, you know, there, there's definitely been a evolution in the organization in terms of our social strategy, um, you know, in 2017 and before it, it was your, it was your typical brand accounts, you know, where we unfortunately were just a newsfeed, you know, it's all about us, be the match, we do this, we do that, we save lives, you know, we need more diversity on the registry. It was, it was all stuff that is true, but it was coming from be the match. It was our, you know, it was, it was uh, graphics that we would create and videos that we would make internally, all this stuff. And so before I even came into the organization, fortunately, there was someone um, that, you know, saw the opportunity with UGC and, you know, let's, let's, let's have the, let's, you know, we have patients that are submitting videos to us about their search and their story and their plea for some, for more people uh, in their, in their race uh, to, to join the registry so they can find their life-saving match. I mean, it was, it was very powerful. And then donors that have gone on to donate, uh, talking about their experience and how it was the best thing they've ever done in their life. And they don't even know uh, like the person they donated to, but they know they did something oh. that was, uh, you know, so super critical. So we started to put, you know, those, those, those pieces and let them tell the story and, and give them the stage. And as we, as we both know, that was obviously effective, uh, just, you know, in general, anytime you can do that and get your customer out there to talk about why they love their product or service that they are advocating for. Uh, in this case, it's, it's, you know, why, why this life-saving mission of ours matters to them. So, so that started. And then when I came in and our team was there, we, we uh, took that and really built on that. And so we never really had a strategy apart from using user-generated content. There was no strategy about, you know, what is our best practices for Instagram? What's our best practices for Facebook, et cetera. So in the past two years, we really focused on that of, of sort of going back a little bit and saying, okay, let's back up and make sure that our community is not only getting that important content, but they're also getting a full, full understanding of who we are as an organization. It's not, it's not just about joining the registry and getting people to swab their cheeks. That's the ultimate goal to mm. get more people on the registry so we can save more lives. The other piece of it is understanding what people are going through that you can't picture. You know, like I mm -hmm. fortunately have not had a direct family member or a close friend that's had cancer like leukemia or lymphoma. I haven't had a friend that's had sickle cell disease. Uh, so I can't relate to that. But if I'm going through my feed and I'm seeing somebody that maybe, maybe looks like me or one of my friends and I'm hearing their story and it's authentic and true and, you know, they're getting emotional or whatever it is. I take pause in that. I think, you know what, this is bigger than me. I, I owe it to this community, to, to this society, to this world to step up and do this thing, which is just a quick 10 second cheek swab from a kit that I get in the mail. And maybe I could be somebody that's called one day. And so that's, we're trying to make sure that all of our content 
does that. And it can be through employee spotlights. It can be through donor stories, patient stories, advocacy, people that volunteer for our fundraising, for our mission, all the above. So we're really trying to highlight that in a way that comes from people that are involved in our mission. And we do that in so many different ways every single day. But we're also trying to challenge ourselves and not make sure that we don't, our, our user-generated content doesn't start looking all the same, that we're, we're finding new ways and exciting ways to engage people with our UGC. Okay, so I totally want to dig into that, but I really, really love what you guys are doing. And part of the reason why I hunted you down a little bit for this podcast, because I messaged Ryan on Instagram, and then I think it went back and forth, and then it sort of dropped off, so then I messaged him on LinkedIn. So part of the reason why I wanted to hunt you down is actually my dad passed away from cancer when I was 10. And I don't know if a transplant would have saved him, but I think what you're doing is just phenomenal because there's people who it would save and yeah. you're, you're using social to be able to match that up. And just to, just so you guys know, if you check out the be the match Instagram accounts, be the match, all one word, Ryan and his team have taken this account to 75,000 followers. It's a verified account. And they've got over 500,000 followers on Facebook um, mm-hmm. or likes on the Facebook page. So this isn't right, a right. small potatoes. They've done a really, really amazing job with this. So to circle back with when you were saying really using user generated content in the you know the most effective way possible the best way for somebody who's an entrepreneur right now and is looking to increase their presence and get more of a a community feel with their followers and really establish that connection what are like what are the ways that you use with user generated content and what advice would you give yeah, so thinking about an entrepreneur that might be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself out there. I don't have yet like a pool of advocates that can just be mm-hmm. giving me content, right? So just, you know, it's a little different from, from us. We have a plethora, unfortunately. Mm. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, like we do have patients that, you know, uh, have put together their own kind of story of what they're going through for their local community and they share it with us. And we amplify um, but then we also have donors. That's the good side where they're doing, they're, they talk about what they're doing and, and that's great. But the thing about entrepreneurs first is to talk to them a little bit about what can be more applicable. Um, and I think this goes back actually to the last job I was in where, I mean, we were not getting people that were saying, we love your software. It's so great. Like and it wouldn't <laughs> even come across as like anything anyone would want to listen to anyway. Right. So, so we found ways that, um, you know, for entrepreneurs, it's like, I think it's just like giving giving people an opportunity to talk about something that is relatable to what your what your product or service is, and and but it's also giving people an opportunity to brag. Um, that's the number one thing that is you know usually the most effective on social media is uh-huh. the braggable moments. You know, so so you can ask people to submit you know comment below with a video or submit a video to me and make it featured um, on, on our channels of just talking about this specific topic or interest and then you can kind of frame it up into whatever you know solution that you're trying to educate people on but it's it's coming from their audience and obviously they're going to be more apt to stay connected to you because they want to see if their stuff's going to get featured on there. So there, those are little ways, but for us, again, we, um, you know, we, we do have a lot of people that reach out and, you know, we just have social listening that we, you know, either find people through the hashtag or they're at mentioning us on an Instagram story or something like that. 
And, um, you know, when we see something that's truly authentic and powerful uh, and also unique, um, we definitely want to turn that around and do more with that. Because, you know, it's interesting when we're in a space um, where lives are at stake, we actually have a lot of content that comes to us. A lot of people are submitting, like, can you share this, reshare that? And we have to kind of pick and choose, which feels really strange because we would love to share it all, but we also have to be cautious of our community and mm. not have content fatigue. Uh, and so we are usually looking for those pieces that fit our overarching goals of, you know, while we want everyone to join, we also really want to focus on educating a more diverse audience because we do have a disparity on, on, um, on diversity on a registry. So we want to make sure that we, you know, highlight that and, and showing, uh, you know, showing, um, a, you know, a, a black person joining the registry or, um, you know, a South Asian person joining the registry and that way they can speak to their audience and visually showing that, but then having them advocate on why that's important. So I don't know if I'm answering the question actually now, I'm kind of going into this rant about be the match, but, um, but no, I mean, it's, it's just about, you know, you know, if you're struggling to get that user generated content, I think you almost have to go out there and, and, and ask for it, but ask for it in a way that's going to allow people to brag. Uh, you know, if you think about it, most engaging content is just had a baby, just got married, just got a promotion, um, you know, just got my hair done, you know, it, you know, if, and, and, you know, if you give people an opportunity to brag, they're going to take it, even though they don't think of it as bragging. Um, so uh, there's all different ways of thinking about that and and getting people's opinions out there people love to share their opinions this is really really smart though because you know like most of the people that i talk to on a regular basis we talk over zoom normally if it's anything to do with work and zoom has this really cool feature where you can record and like i know when i first started my industry i did a lot of work for free like i just wanted to work with people and get case studies and i think that's probably the same for most entrepreneurs and with what you're saying timing really really matters like when they're excited, they've just had a win. That content is going to be, that piece is going to be 10 times more engaging. So I think this is really applicable in the sense that like, Hey, when your clients just had a win or you're working with someone at a, as a case study and they have scored their first client over social, or they've had their first big mm -hmm. win with you, jump yeah. on a call with them, hit record and just be like, Hey, you know, like what's going on? Tell me about it. Get them to talk and be like, this was awesome. I've actually been recording this conversation. Do you mind if I share this on my Instagram? Do you mind if I share this on my social? And that's a really good way to be able to get really authentic content. And it's really just you guys having a chat. I love it. I love it. And we, you know, and to bring this home, I mean, we are doing this in our organization too. We'll, we'll hear, sometimes we'll hear people that just send us a, like a DM on, on Instagram, there's no video, no, no, like nothing, mm -hmm. you know, that's shareable. And they'll say something like, you know, I just donated. It was the most amazing experience in my life. And oh. we'll, we'll respond back and say, you know, would you, would you want to hop on like a zoom or, or something, you know, where we, we can chat. And by the way, if you're comfortable with it, um, you know, we're going to turn our videos on and we'll record this. And, you know, if, if it's something that, that we feel your story can inspire more people to join, um, then we'll do something with it. And if not, we just want to connect with you and thank you for what you've done. So there's, there's, it's a win-win for both sides because they get an opportunity to share 
their experience with with people and the organization that understand what they went through, right? And and their family may not understand it fully. They may just mm-hmm. be like, you're, you're amazing, but they may not understand it. So they have the opportunity to talk to us uh, and that, that they feel like we're listening, which is great because we want to promote their advocacy no matter what. But then on the flip side, to your point, we get this great content that's authentic and true. And we're genuinely asking them questions, not in an interview format. Just like, so what happened? What was it like? How did yeah. you feel? Like, and, and those are things that people want to hear. They want to learn through others that have experienced it or use that product or service and get it, get it captured. In 2020, we have so many ways, Zoom, <laughs> so many ways to get people to give you testimonials and it's authentic and it's not polished and that's what people want to see. Yeah, absolutely. It is not weird anymore to ask for video testimonials. Just like right. a selfie video, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be produced, but that that's very normal nowadays. So one thing you brought up that's that I would love to hear how you navigate this is avoiding content fatigue with your platforms. And here's something like when I'm working, generally with my private clients, everybody I've worked with, there is no quality problem. There is no, uh, like their product or service is amazing. There's no content problem. They have content for days. There's a really big exposure problem. We don't have them in front of enough people and probably a lot of people that need them don't know they exist. But there's always a hesitancy when it comes to a, not a theme page, but like a regular account when they get that advice to post three times a day or whatever. Cause they're like, well, won't I spam my followers? Won't people get sick of me? And this is something, obviously you have a, you know, good and bad, a plethora of content. So how do you navigate that based on your, like, based, actually it would be interesting, based on your brand's values, how do you navigate what you, and where your brand is going, what you share, and what would you say should be the pillars of how people navigate that based on who they're trying to reach? It's a great question. Uh, I think it's like the, the million dollar question. Um, so I, you know, the, the, the benefit, I guess, of, of uh, uh, the content that we share is, you know, in, in today's crazy, you know, algorithmic world of, you know, organic being a big challenge. Fortunately, we, we have a fairly strong organic reach, uh, and it's because a lot of our content is the type of content people want to share. You know, they, they, they get emotional. They want other people to experience that, and obviously, they know people's lives are at stake, and so it's, it's compelling content to share, and, and, but I, I, that's the extreme, and I get that for a lot of us. Again, because mm-hmm. I came from software right before that, I totally get that, um, but I do think that that mindset is where that this should be at the forefront and you know, I'm sure you've talked about this a ton in your podcast as a best practice but no matter what you're doing if you have a good amount of content if you had a content calendar you got all that great but making sure that your content is stuff that people not only want to consume but challenge yourself even more like would people actually want to share this with their community with their network mm. and it's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to get to because again, thinking about in the software company, you know, we were creating content that was very far away from a direct ask about like, this is what we do. Let us know if you want us to do any custom software for your company. Like if we led with that, nobody would want to consume it. Nobody would want to share it. Uh, But what we ended up doing was we focused on the fact that we have 500 people in this organization across the U.S. and Europe. And these are amazing, talented 
designers, engineers, PMs, all of that. So let's get them talking. And so we focused mm. on spotlights, but we also didn't just do like, this is what I do in my job. We started every video out with, um, uh, you know, who are you outside of work? And it was, it was a, it was a random question. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but you'd have like this got this, this male project manager that would talk about his love for baking bread. And he just like freaked out when he started talking about it. He's like, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Like I love the smell of it. I love how messy I get in the kitchen and my wife goes crazy because <laughs> I'm so messy. Oh, and by the way, I'm a project manager and I, you know, keep things on task, you know? So it was like people related to this guy that loved baking bread and it became a thing. And so people wanted to share that and through that, they're learning about the software company. So, so like, that's, you know, I would challenge people to, you know, don't think so linear about like, this is what we do. We got to talk just about that, humanize it as much as possible. And, you know, when you think about your cadence of how much you should be posting, yes, there's a lot of people out there, including myself that put out those typical best practices, no more than three times on Facebook a day. You know, you can go to, you can go cray cray on, on Twitter and, you know, be kind of in the middle on Instagram and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you've got, if you've got content, they're just not feeling people are going to want to share, let alone are they going to want to pause and consume when they're thumbing through and going through things super quick. You probably shouldn't focus on how much to post. It's like, should you, mm. you know, should you post something? Uh, and if you don't feel like that content's good, then you should be trying something new. So what we're getting at with our organization right now is, you know, we have articles that are really that are you know news articles about uh, searching patients, but sometimes they get really specific in their local community. So it's not something that the, that the broader community can relate to. So we're really trying to push back on that and leave that for the local media. And those are, those are filler content pieces. And I'm challenging my team right now to say, let's not, if it's filler content, we shouldn't be posting it. If we mm. go a day and we don't post anything because we don't feel we have something that's shareable and impactful to drive people to, to help save more lives, we shouldn't be posting it. It's a very extreme way of thinking but it helps us um, level set and challenges my team to think, okay, you know, is there a meme that we should be thinking about that would be relevant to our audience, tasteful enough, uh, and would drive people to pay attention and pause? Can we challenge and try a meme? Can we test a meme out? Can we test a short form boomerang or something like that that's a little bit different from what our audience has seen in the past, but still gets a message across on taking action? So, so you know, it's a long answer and it's all over the place, but I think it's important for people to do what I'm doing right now and just going all over the place and mm -hmm. thinking not as linear as we tend to and more broadly about what else can I do? What else can I test? What else can I try that should give people something they haven't seen from me before? And perhaps it's more meaningful, more meaningful and more shareable and more memorable. Um, so, yeah, you know, people say content's queen, king, or whatever it is. And so if you're not putting that type of content out there that's, that's going to break through the noise, then, you know, forget about how often you should be posting because at the end of the day, it just won't matter. That's a really refreshing opinion because I've always, I've seen and grown accounts that do amazing with three to four posts a week, but they're quality. Like I've mm -hmm. never been someone who posts three times a day or has advocated for that because I work with personal brands and most people who don't have a team yet, like 
it's just not really feasible to put out good stuff that often um, consistently, right? This, right. But it was really cool what you're saying in terms of try, like think about different things. Think about the different way you could show up for your audience that still resonates because this is something that other industries have used. Like Airbnb, for example, when they were getting going, one of the things they did is they made a list of like, what would be like a 10 star experience for their guests? Like what would blow them away, make it create, like, you know, people would never forget it. And they threw out 90% of that list. But the things that came from it were the things like, have you ever been to, you know, um, probably a mid to high, high end Airbnb and there's like, you know, there's food in the fridge, there's wine, there's like, mm -hmm. you know, that's where that came from where they went to their hosts and were like, Hey, we, you know, we kind of put this list together and we tested a few of them. We think this would really stand out. People would probably rebook. Why don't you give it a go? And so, I mean, I think for anyone listening, when you're creating this stuff, like, okay, what could I do differently? Like maybe it could be a different, you know, a short form boomerang or I could do it outside or whatever. It doesn't mean you need to use all of it. Just play around and then figure right. out like, what do you really like? What resonates? Try a few things and you can delete it. <laughs> it's Instagram. Yeah. You can dig it down if you ate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, you know, a good example of this is, is going back on the TikTok train for a second. There, there were, be the match. Okay. So, so I'll just tell you right now, be the match is on TikTok. We're new on it and we're definitely Ooh. not doing it to say like, we're a brand, we got to be on TikTok, you know, whatever. I, yeah. I'm definitely against a lot of brands being on TikTok. And I also was hesitant with us, but what we're doing on there is we're fitting our strategy we're testing, but we're fitting our strategy to the platform. So it's very different from any of our other channels. All we're doing, mm. the, e the easy solution that we're doing is we're jumping on appropriate trending songs. So ones that don't have you know, naughty yeah. words and naughty undertones. So appropriate trending songs. Me and a, a much younger person that has way more um, dancing talent than I do, we are um, doing the dance, you know, the dance memes, but we are always holding swabs in our hands. So people don't know exactly what it is, but they can see that we're holding something in our hands. We're waving them around as we're dancing. And, um, and you know, it's, it's a brand awareness thing. And it's, it's, we're getting thousands of views already. It's great. We only have like five posts. We're getting thousands of views on some of our videos. We are terrible dancers, which is what is entertaining because like you said, people are watching in the loop to see us mess up over and over and over again. Uh, but we're trying really hard, which is why people are watching because they know we're trying. So, so they're seeing through our quick bio, you know, that, you know, the power of, of curing cancers in your, you know, is in your hands. And that's like, what's that? And then we link to our Instagram where they can experience and learn more about what Be The Match is. So, you know, we, we're there to, 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 to show that, but we also know through social listening and through our hashtag, our hashtags Be The Match, people are creating TikToks. They were creating them since the past year or so of them joining the registry and they're doing TikToks about it. So we're also there to engage in our community. Even though it's a lot smaller of a, of a volume of, of comments, we're still getting that. We want people to know that no matter if you're 18 years old, or if you're 40 years old, like you matter to us because you're on the registry. We want to make sure that you continue to spread the word and we're here, we're listening. And also, you know, if you have questions, if you get called one day, we're here, you can ask us. So, um, so anyway, that's just another example of, like you said, thinking differently and not just settling. Like it's a photo post, it's a video post, it's an article, like, doesn't have to just be that. We have so many tools in our finger, you know, at our at our disposal these days from a content creation standpoint. Leverage a boomerang from Instagram, download it, you know, use it as a as a Facebook post if it makes sense to you. 
Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway. So you mentioned there with you, with you guys, you know, on TikTok, how you're, you're fitting the content to the platform, which I think is really, really smart. And this is something you probably have to put a lot of thought into because you're sort of leading this crew. Um, and you, you know, you need to make, like, make as sure as you can that what you're, where you're putting your content on is resonating the most with the audience that's there. So what's your strategy and what would you advise people around catering different types of content to different platforms? Yeah, well, I think that's the whole thing about what we talked about earlier about why you should be on a platform and not just be on it to post. You need mm. to be on that platform to understand it, to, to not, mm. not just look at your competitors. Like that's good. It's if your competitors are out there seeing what they're doing, not to, not to, copy that but to be inspired by that um so you should be doing that but also like you know i will watch the 15 year old that's got 26 million followers on tiktok that's now in a super bowl commercial that's right well she's actually like 30 million now i know right and she's only been on tiktok not even a year not even a year and she was just a dancer before that so like it's yeah, don't get me started on, on Charlie. But anyway, uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, but, you know, like, I will watch her because I'm fascinated by that growth. I'm fascinated by the why. And I looked at her and it was uncomfortable because, you know, I'm a father of two girls. I'm a grown adult. And here I am on this platform, my poor wife. But anyway, I, I scroll all the way down to the beginning when she started and her TikToks were so different. They were kind of you know more definitely more inappropriate like they, mm. they weren't they weren't um she was kind of kind of darker and and things weren't really like she wasn't getting much views and all that stuff but then she polished her 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 uh brand out there and it's mm. still you know it's not necessarily all appropriate but but that's when things started to take off and so I'm, I'm studying that and i'm studying other people and why they grow up and there's some ridiculous content out there and we're not going to make that ridiculous content but we understand what's making people pause, what's keeping them entertained, what's keeping them on there for two plus hours at a session. It's because of that, that entertainment value. And so we know, right, that TikTok is growing so rapidly because of that entertainment value, because it just keeps, you never know what you're going to get. So when we're creating as a business on that platform, we want to make sure that we are still educating people in a kind of tertiary way. They're seeing mm. the swabs in our hand. They don't know what that means yet, but they're seeing a couple people trying really hard, one too old to be on TikTok. And it's just funny to watch. But at the same time, they can see our copy, you know, link, check out our bio to learn how you can become a lifesaver. It's like, what is that? And then in the bio, it directs them, you know, to, to go further. So so it's about, you know, understanding your audience. Of course, you hear that a ton. But our audience right now, we have a wide breadth. We have millennials that we're trying to target. Mm -hmm. And we also have Gen Zs, the, 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 the older age of the Gen Z bracket. So you're 18 to 23s. Mm -hmm. That's still Gen Z. And so primarily right now, the hot spot for them is TikTok and Instagram. So we have mm -hmm. two very different strategies for both of those. Um, we have an aesthetic on Instagram. We have um, quotable uh, posts that people will share on stories. We engage with at mentions all the time in stories and do a ton of reposts through that. Completely different on 
TikTok. TikTok is less about the patient stories. It's less about the donor stories. It's more about way up in the funnel, brand awareness, giving us that brand presence that, that is finding that the younger audience that we desperately need to join the registry. Because at the end of the day, they're great people, but they also produce more stem cells than older people. So it's like science too. <laughs> so, so yeah. So um, again, I went on a little rant there, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it is taking a step back and thinking like, what is going to, why is this platform, why is this platform successful? It goes back to like things like Twitter when people are not sure about Twitter. It's like, why is that platform successful? Well, it's different. It's different from other platforms. It's quick hitting, it's text-based, it's information now, mm-hmm. it's topic trends. So if you're not gonna create content that's gonna adhere to that, you're missing out. Why is Instagram so popular? Well, it started out and still is a very visual platform. Mm. Visual, visual, visual. So if your content doesn't come to life visually, if you don't have a way to bring that to life visually and tell a story, you're probably not gonna be successful on, on Instagram. TikTok, it's about virility. It's about entertainment. So if you're not going to be in there and figuring out a way to entertain, educate in an entertaining way, you're likely not going to be successful. Facebook's friends and family, you know, so, so it, mm-hmm. you have to think about the platform and create your content to meet that audience where they're at. Yeah. And I like that you brought up the different age ranges where, and where you can reach them most effectively. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, like my niece is 14 and we're pretty close. And she's moving rooms right now. So she's moving from one room to another. So we were kind of packing up her stuff. And she's like one of those, she's always been one of those people. She just takes immaculate care of her stuff. Her clothes are never dirty. Her, like her stuff is never bent or broken. It's like, she just takes really good care of her stuff, right? So we're moving her stuff and she's got all these books. She's a reader, all these books that are in mint condition. And I'm like, Catherine, are you still... Are you like, are the, have you read these yet? She's like, oh yeah, I read those when I was like eight. I'm like, oh, do you want to keep them? Like they're in perfect condition. And she's like, well, no, maybe I could sell them. And I'm like, oh yeah, we could sell them on Marketplace. And then I was like, hold on. Yeah. Do you have Facebook? And she was like, oh my God, ew, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so, like she's on Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. That's where she is. More Snapchat mm-hmm. and TikTok than Instagram. But kids don't want to be on the same platform as their parents. And yeah. that's just what we're seeing, right? So I like, yeah. you know, if you're listening right now and you're looking, you, you know, you're trying to reach a demographic of 18 to 25 year olds, TikTok and Snapchat are two really good places to be mm-hmm. as well as Instagram, mm-hmm. but your demographics might be more engaged in those areas. On the contrary, you know, I, I don't know what the exact age would be, but I would imagine over 30 30-ish would be are still on Facebook. Um, we're not getting too many new signups. We're not seeing a ton of new signups under that, but it's still a monster of a platform. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I like the fact that you mentioned in terms of the different type of content catered, you know, based on who you're looking for. So I guess to wrap this up, is there is there anything you think, so for somebody who is really trying to find their brand voice on social media, when you were starting with Be The Match, what's, what's your secret sauce there? Like, what were you really looking, what was the thing that you knew you had to do in order to really find the brand identity through social? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's actually my universal approach. Um, so okay. 10 years that I've been doing this, it's, it's been the same no matter where I've gone because it's just an intrinsic passion of mine. Um, and that's humanizing the brand. Anytime mm. you can humanize the brand. So it, so while we do have 
user-generated content that has been a huge success for us. That's humanizing our mission, right? That's humanizing why why we do what we do, mm. but we're not humanizing the brand directly. So, um, so when I came in the organization, I remember there was like three months into it, um, we had this kind of viral campaign that was going on, and and we had some national media coverage, and they they, they had this camera crew over. It was like Good Morning America, and and we were doing this viral this viral thing that was happening kind of like the ice bucket challenge from years ago but we had a, our own little mini one and i uh it was a big deal you know our organization never had anything like that happen and so i was there early in the morning for this camera crew we were going to film this segment but we were kind of doing like this behind the scenes ig story and i remember you know my team was there and i was like okay i'm going to start creating this story so i take my phone out and i start to uh, you know, I go on the Be The Match channel, I start to do this Instagram story, and I, and it, it's just, it, it's just, a, it's a selfie video, like, I'm taking the selfie video of me talking, like, you know, hey, hey, everybody, you know, this is what we're doing today, like, I didn't talk about who I was, it's like, you know, we're here in the office today, we have this awesome thing happening with Good Morning America, so follow along, and I got done recording that, and they looked at me, like, you just put yourself there on the thing, on, like, <laughs> your face, and I, and I said, yeah, why? Why is that a problem? Oh, I, well, we can do that. Uh, it's like, well, of course, like you should. And and I and I also am sensitive to the fact that not everyone's comfortable doing that. But but any time you can humanize the brand, it becomes more of a relatable. Like there's a face to it. Everyone's always talking about like, you know, only thirteen percent of people purchase from a brand, and the rest of them purchase from a from a you know from recommendation or, or human. Mm. It's, it's like the same thing all all over the place. So if you if you want people to really pay attention, and especially now when you have Instagram stories, you know that get you can serve them up onto your Facebook page as a story. Facebook does a really good job of showing the story thumbnail, right? And so imagine when you see that on the top of your feed and you look at Facebook, if that's a channel that you're working on, think about that experience because people are going to see a person that's talking that first part of the story. They're going to see a human or a picture of somebody that's going to be more compelling to click on and tap to watch versus text or a graphic or something like that. So um, so I think like that is, that is the, the biggest passion for me personally and something that I, I really wish I would see more uh, from entrepreneurs, from businesses, from brands on social media of get out of your comfort zone, you're passionate about what you're doing, let that come through, throw up that phone, we have the opportunity to throw up a video super quick and the beautiful thing about IG and IG stories is it's not asking you to record a 10 minute video. It's saying, say what you got to say in 15 seconds or less, or, you know, it's going to, it's going to yell at you. So, so, you know, bring the human element is what I would say. And don't just focus on one benefit, which is user generated content. Make sure that you, your team, your vision comes out in an authentic way, ask people questions, engage with them, but try to put a face to that brand whenever you can. Oh, I think that's such good advice. And it is one of those things that people, so this is probably the thing I, I work with people on the most is, is that visibility aspect. Cause it's scary to put yourself out yeah. there. And, and usually, yeah. usually when people are in that space of being scared, they, they have a smaller, you know, a smaller community. It's a lot of their family and friends and they're kind of like, what are they going to think of me? Blah, blah. <clears throat> and what I really focus on is like, Hey, look, like this account isn't for them anymore. 
It's for the people you can help with your service, your product. If they hate it, they can unfollow you. They can mute you. Like that's their decision. But, and even if you're like, if you're listening to this and you're just starting out and you're like, oh, but I'm still weird about video, just put a filter on it, put like a cute filter on it, be a poppy for a week. Who cares? Like if you think you don't, you know, you don't like the sound of your voice or whatever. Well, that's what you sound like all the time. So sorry. You know, we, it's a really good point. I'll just, this will be really short because I know we're, we're we're running out of time, but, um, you know, in our organization right now, we're, we're constantly talking about like how just outside of strategy and stuff, like just how we can connect more, uh, as an organization and a company culture and all that stuff. And people always talk about, you know, how you can earn trust. And and this is no different than whether you're in an organization, you know, at a, in a relationship or don't know somebody yet is in order to build trust, which obviously if we want people to purchase from us, use our product or service, Mm -hmm. join the registry, whatever, is you have an opportunity in today's world to humanize your brand, but the best way to do that is to be vulnerable. And Mm. I know that's hard, especially when you're being vulnerable to the world essentially versus just a direct friend that you're talking to. But if there's a way that you can be vulnerable, and like you said, if it's putting up a filter to kind of put something over your face and just be vulnerable and say, you know, I don't feel comfortable with this, but <laughs> I need to get I need to get my message out there. So you're going to have to deal with Doggy Ryan this week. That's vulnerability. You're putting yourself out there and you're going to get empathy from people because they're going to respect the fact that you're putting yourself out there. So, so trust, trust, trust the experts, whether it's me, I don't necessarily call myself an expert or, or anybody else in this podcast. I mean, like, Hopefully they're saying the same thing, but it is about being your authentic self, being vulnerable. You're going to earn that trust. And with that trust, you're going to earn loyalty. Well, and it's relatable, right? Like we all have that person we follow on Instagram who's like, you know, the mom with the rich husband, her hair is always perfect and her kids are always well-behaved with the videos. And like, I don't relate to her. Like I'm kind of jealous of her sometimes, but I don't relate to her. I'm not like, oh, she gets me. And so when you, (laughs) right, right? like, no, she's off in her Tesla. She doesn't get me. So like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you can really create that relationship where your audience is like, oh man, she's doing this cool, like she or he is doing this really cool stuff. And I can really like, I really, I like their videos. I understand it. It's really powerful. Um, Okay. We'll finish off with some rapid fire questions. So what is the best purchase you've made lately that's under a hundred dollars? Oh boy. Uh, under a hundred dollars. Uh, wow. Um, uh, my bomber jacket. So I, I got it from Amazon, just a little zip up jacket that I don't wear as a jacket. It's more of a style thing that I usually wear. I usually wear t-shirts. So I throw that black zip up jacket, leave it opened. I think I look cool for my age. So that's my <laughs> I love it. I got like the best pillows from Amazon lately. They were Amazon brand, like $19 pillows. Really? And they're good. I was like, well, these won't be that good, but whatever. Right. And they're incredible. Wow. Love me a good pillow. Good finds on there. Um, What? Okay. So if you could have dinner with anybody, dead or alive, real or fictional, who would it be and why? Yeah. So. I think it would be, um, yeah, you mentioned Tesla, but I think it would be Elon Musk. People that don't know, so he's the, the founder of Tesla. He also like founded PayPal back in the day, you know, SpaceX, all this stuff. So because I like would not, 
I would not have dinner with him normally. Like I would just not. He's someone that is so far removed from my mm. life. And, like he's living his own life. He's crazy. But I just want to like have a moment to get in that person's head and like, how do you function? Mm. Because doing a million things, they obviously have tons of money. They're successful, but they're also super stressed. Like, how do they navigate that whole thing? And I just like would be curious what a normal like sit down for dinner conversation would be with someone that that that's that again very different from me. Um, so, not to not to nerd out and fanboy. It wouldn't be that kind of dinner. It would be more of just like, what do you really like? You know? <laughs> what? Yeah, what goes through your head? No, I really yeah. like that answer. Awesome. And last one. What is the book that you gift the most often? I'm terrible at this. Uh, (laughs) or like your or like your top podcast recommendation okay that one's better Uh, (laughs) so i i love to read but i have two little girls and i i cannot find any time to read so i like whenever i do read it's the most random stuff like it's usually some crazy sci-fi book that it just takes my mind into a different space Mm, world like a tune out yeah it's exactly. Um, and my podcast is kind of a tune out too, but I find it super entertaining. I would highly recommend for anybody out there to listen to Getting Curious by Jonathan Van, Van was it Jonathan Van Ross, I think? I think that's what Oh no, from, Jonathan from, Van Ness, the guy from Queer Eye. Van Ness. Yeah. Yes, from Queer Eye, yes. Um, yeah, I couldn't find it on my phone for a second there, but yes. Uh, he, so Getting Curious, he always just asks, he brings experts in and just asks the most random questions. It's really informative, but as anyone knows that knows him and watches Queer Eye, he's super entertaining. And it just, mm. I'm like, I'm at the gym every morning listening to his podcast. And I probably look strange because I'm laughing as I'm running on the treadmill. But I also learn something too. So that's that's the best, the best world, in my opinion. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. You guys can check out Ryan on Instagram. We're going to have everything linked below as well as Be The Match on Instagram. And I will see you later. So thanks again, Ryan. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up some extra knowledge on Instagram by searching at ella.j.may. If you absolutely love what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your thoughts with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the good stuff coming. Or visit my website at ellajmay.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and kill it on Instagram.